Welcome to The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. Brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. Ready for the power play? You're listening to The Hockey Show on ESPN Chicago. Welcome to the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Barstool Chief. I am Pat Boyle. What's going on, Chief? Uh, the, the, this team just can't stop winning. That's <laughs> the problem. That's what's going on. We're, we're, we're tanking the tank. You're tanking the tank. So yeah, the- it's, you know, I thought I'd gotten over this conflicted feeling of, you know, when early on in the season yeah. when they got off to that 4-2 and two start and we were, you know. This, was a, this has been a reality check where it's like, you guys need to chill with all the winning. They've won five of six, and uh, they have now gone from last place to the third worst record. Yep. Uh, which puts them in danger because you can only drop two spots. If you're in the third spot, you could you could end up being fifth, and then you're out of the Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson sweepstakes. Yeah, so it, it has like real world repercussions here. Now, a sell off is coming. They have, right. I think they only have five home games between now and the deadline. So you would think that as they face some tougher competition and go through kind of this is the dog days part of the season, that they will kind of revert back to normal. But they are doing some things, and I think they're getting a little healthier and just playing a little bit better, where it's like, I don't know if you guys are going to be bad enough. Right. Right. I I think this is a little market correction, because we went like two months where they had three wins. Yeah, like that's... So like... And they were finding ways to lose every night, and they couldn't score. And guys were hurt. Guys were hurt, yep. Um, And now, you know, Staylock is uncertain with Mm -hmm. his back and concussion protocol. Yep. Uh, I, I do think when they make some moves, and we're going to get into that because uh, we have Frank Cervelli joining us, uh, NHL insider. insider. Yeah, big time. He, uh, he's right there, I think, on the Mount Rushmore now of insiders. I, I don't NHL disagree. Insiders. Yeah, yeah. especially stateside. Big t- I think oh yeah. yeah, I think he's might be number one. Yeah, I think you can make that argument. Yeah, big time insider. Yeah. So we'll get the latest on what he's hearing about Kane and Taves and any other Blackhawks. And, you know, how many of these NHL teams are are hampered by the, the salary cap and might be paralyzed to not be able to do what they would like to do. So yep. we'll get into that with him. But you bring up a good point. Like they're 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 playing better. I mean, they're getting production from the back end, which is such a novel idea. The rest of the league, you look at good teams in the National mm-hmm. Hockey League, and you'll look, they'll have one or if not two defensemen that are well over point per game guys. Now, yeah, it's becoming like very commonplace yeah. and shocking. And it's yeah. you're just like, really? Oh yeah, yeah, okay. And then and then you look at the Hawks and it's like you know, we didn't have a power play goal by a defenseman last year. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, almost unheard of. It's almost impossible. Yeah. <laughs> like you, yeah. you would think that you just throw one on net, it would find its way in. But it is crazy. But, I mean, the guy you're talking about is Seth Jones. Yeah. Like, Seth Jones. And, and the key to the Blackhawks lottery ball situation is that Seth Jones needs to turn into a player that all the fans think he is. Okay, so they he needs to be worse. He's playing twenty five minutes a night 
playing well. He he had the uh, you know the big game against Buffalo. Where he had three points. He had the game tying goal late. He had the OT goal, uh, and he he's he's moved the puck. He's playing good defense. He and Jake McCabe are making a nice pairing. Uh, there, they. I would say that if you're going to look and point to one guy or one thing, that Blackhawks top pairing of Jones and McCabe is a is a the way they're playing is a very good top pairing. So they're able to kind of limit the other team's chances to a degree, create some some things on the rush. And, and I think that if you look at this, it's almost like the Hawks go as Seth Jones goes because when they were playing better at the beginning of the year, Jones was off to a pretty good start. Jones gets hurt. Uh, they go in the tank. He's nursing that thumb injury. Probably wasn't feeling great. Getting back in the swing of things, and now it feels like maybe the last three weeks, maybe a month. Uh, it's he's been playing much, much better, and so has the team. So if he can just go back to being the guy that you know that everyone thinks he is, that'd be pretty good. Have for the you Hawks. noticed the the quicker release, the the quick snapshot that rather than. His half slapper mm-hmm. that he was had been using quite a bit like last year, and yep. he's he's getting rid of the puck quicker, and it's not giving bodies in front of him time to take away shooting lanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the goalie's getting less time to set up. You, uh, a, 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 you know, it's the old Ray Bork. It's right? the old Ray Bork. Just you know, just find a way to get it through. Bork was like the master of that, and he would say, you know, you want it six to twelve inches off the ice. And that's just going to just find a lane and get it through. And the, the screens and tips and deflections and all that uh, will we'll end up creating chaos and chances. And, and it does seem like I hadn't really thought of it until you just mentioned it. But now I'm like visualizing I'm like, yeah, like he is seeming like getting the puck to the net a little bit quicker. And and it's and it's been uh, it's been productive. So and you can even see it like if you're charting his, his shots on goal. Those have been up lately, yeah. too. So, And look, it, one thing is saying it, another thing is doing it. I think it's something that Luke has really stressed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked about this, I don't know, probably at the beginning of the season or even uh, when, when you were on at times last year. Under Joel Quenville, blue liners, defensemen, were not allowed to take wristers yeah. or snapshots. They had to. They Bombs. had to have slap, sh- slap yeah. shots every time. Mm-hmm. And the, the thought there was no one's going to get in front of a slap shot intentionally. But the technology's gotten so good that, that you know, the, these guys don't feel it like mm-hmm. they used to. And the sticks are better than they used to. So that snapshot can still come in at 70 miles totally. an hour or what have you. And the point is, you're saving yourself that half second to maybe second, and that's more valuable than and, ten extra miles uh, per hour. Yeah, because uh, realistically, you're from sixty feet. You're no one's beating a goalie in the NHL. Right. Like almost nobody. Maybe maybe Chara. Okay, but back in the day, but really no one without it. If it's a if it's a clear shot, every goalie in the NHL should be able to stop a slap shot from sixty feet. So yeah, it's more about getting that quick release. Don't let them get set up. Make you know get tips, screens, all that kind of stuff going towards the net, and you're going to be more productive from the back end, and, and it's and it's having results. So, and you're right, like the sticks today are absurd. Right, they're absurd. The amount of torque that they can get, the low kick that they can get, they can get shots off from any angle. The technology on the sticks is much better, and yeah, it is probably probably about a ten to fifteen mile per hour at that level 
reduction where Seabrook, he's just going to hammer it. It'll go 88, 92, depending on what it is. And if you want to get in front of that, that's your business. But a lot of guys didn't. And, and now things have really kind of shifted. And this is, this is pay, paying dividends for the Hawks. So the defense has been contributing offensively. And, you know, like the other night in Philadelphia, it looked like they were playing a faster game, mm-hmm. a north south game, a uh, ups, rolling, yeah. you know, Close to four lines, I would say. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, that Kershev-Taves-Radish line has been the most noticeable of the group. Yep. And I think Kershev has all the skill, all the tools. I just question, Chief, why I don't see it on a regular basis. Yeah, it, it was weird that he, he kind of came to the NHL his first year, which was the COVID year, and was highly productive. And then I think you saw a lot of guys who had success, we'll say, in a, in a rookie year in that environment, now can't come back down to earth, where the travel is a thing, the full barns is a thing, and, and the night-in, night-out grind uh, was really impacting some of these young players. And I think that Kershev fell into that. It's almost like he had to learn how to be a pro and learn how to be an NHLer all over again, right. and like a real NHLer this time. And so I think there's some of that is still ironing out. I think it's... I think he's also still kind of trying to find out what his role is in, in the league and in the team. Is he going to be a guy who drives possession and offense? He certainly seems to have the skill and the skating for that. But other times it's like you, you'll like him on the de- what he does defensively too. Like I think he's a pretty well-rounded player. And I'm sure there's just like the, the ability to focus or, or maybe even not focus on these specific elements of your game. Like I'm going to be great defensively tonight. And does that take away from his offense? But I think he's, I think he's, that line, if you're looking at guys for the future, obviously that's been like the Hawks, like quote unquote, top line or certainly second line. Uh, but if if Radish and and uh, Kurashev are part of your third line, I think you can do a lot worse than that if you're if you're trying to be competitive as those two guys both grow. So Jonathan Taves uh, continues to have his resurgence season. I'll say, you yep. know, it's 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 far from being uh where he was pre covid mm-hmm. where you know he was right about a point a game point a game yeah. right around i think he was going to he was on pace for 70 points uh that year when it was halted at 60 games or yep. whatever uh so this past week uh we talked to Patrick Kane last week and talked to Jonathan Taves this week Charlie Romeliotis for the Blackhawks Talk podcast sat down with him and, uh, you know, got into the hockey future and all sorts of things like that. And uh, the first cut we have from Taves, you know, he said last year he wanted to continue playing, but play at a high level. Uh, so Charlie asked Taves if he feels he's closer to that level this season compared to last season. Yeah, it's uh, closer. <laughs> uh, when, when wasn't hard to move past that, I think... Uh... You know, yeah, I definitely still have that feeling that uh, it's not too much to ask out of myself to, to get back to that level again. And um, with what I know, what I've learned about myself and the game and how to take care of my body, how to prepare and how to play the game, obviously the, the game is a lot faster and it's improved, I would say, but at the same time um, I feel like uh, a lot of things for me have gotten better. It's just getting to a place where my body cooperates and things kind of fall into place and so still working towards that at this point chief what have you thought of taves play for the bulk of this season you know uh, I, I he's clearly not the player he was um and it, 
it's just like little things. Like I, it doesn't seem like he he says all the right things or a lot of the right things, but it, it, I don't see the production matching some of what his what his words are around the team. Uh, so I, and it's is he committed to being the best player that he could possibly be? It, it doesn't necessarily like you, you you know how it used to be, but you don't hear the same stories like you used to. So I I, I don't know anything for sure. But yeah, it doesn't seem like he's maybe as engaged, and maybe it's it's difficult to to be what he was. And and he talked about it in that interview that Charlie did, where it's like I took my role as being a captain very serious, and it's almost like Taves and Kane have kind of like flipped, you know? Like right now, Kane is like the most dedicated diet, doesn't go out, you know. And I don't know what Taves' social life is. I'm not making a comment on that, but it just seems like their their kind of roles and leadership and how they function within the team dynamic. It has kind of switched from what it was, you know, in 2010, 11, 12, uh, where Kane seems to be like the de facto, like everyone looks to him. He's the mentor kind of guy. And, and Taves is a veteran, a respected guy, uh, but maybe not, maybe not the guy who's like driving the culture of the team anymore. Coming up more from the captain, Jonathan Taves. What does he expect his conversation to be like with Kyle Davidson? Does he think that his decision of staying in Chicago or asking to be traded is going to be influenced by what Kane has to say. You're going to want to hear that. You can hear the conflicted thoughts in his mind as uh, we approach that March 3rd trade deadline. It is the Hockey Show. We're sponsored by the Chicago Wolves. The Wolves are in the midst of a season-long six-game road trip. They've been bolstered by the return of goaltender Peter Kochetkov. He has uh, been reassigned to the Wolves. Uh, he was reassigned this past week by but the Carolina Hurricanes, where he went 13-4-5 with three shutouts before being sent back to Chicago. He's the future Hurricanes That's goaltender. The guy. He's, he's yeah. impressive. So the Wolves continue their road trip tonight in Rockford. More from the captain, Jonathan Taves. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. On the AM at 1000. On the FM at 100.3 HD2. On your phone. With the ESPN Chicago app. The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Show on ESPN 1000, Blackhawks in St. Louis tonight. 6:30 pregame show on NBC Sports Chicago with Barstool Chief. I am Pat Boyle. Last week we heard from Patrick Kane on this show about his hockey future. Uh, today we're delving into the captain Jonathan Taves, and uh, you know that March third trade deadline is fast approaching. The uh, Pat Brisson represents both Kane mm-hmm. and Taves. They talked briefly before the Christmas holiday. They're thought to have reconvene here towards the end of January. And, and right around that break that the Hawks have kind of like a natural break around the All-Star game. Here's what Jonathan Taze expects the conversation will be like between his camp and Kyle Davidson. You know, Kyle's been nothing but respectful in, in this entire time. And, you know, a guy in my position, I understand he has a job to do and... Um, you know he's really investing in the future of this this franchise, and and uh, rightfully so in a lot of respects. And and uh, so for myself, um, you know, uh, 
it, it, it's just kind of a tricky situation. Last year, my contract and haven't played my best hockey in, in some time, and you know, so I'm not uh, sure what the opportunities or, or what's going to come knocking. But there's no doubt uh, in my mind, I'm again focusing on my game, trying to improve that every single day, and trying to enjoy just playing the game, being a Blackhawk, uh, you know, as long as I can for however long that is and, and while it still lasts. What did, what did you take from the – we're going to hear the last soundbite, which is the one that I think really uh, kind of shows you the, the conflicted area that he's in and, and kind of maybe how he oscillates yeah. from day to day, whether it's I'm going to stay or I'm going to go. Well, and you hear that often. And I wonder if some of that is based upon the feedback that he's hearing or getting or lack thereof internally, where it's like, hey, like I might be willing to stay, but like give me a little something that says that you want me here. Right. And, and I think there is probably some of that. And I should say that, like, I love Jonathan Taves. I hope he does find a way to resign. Obviously, not at 10.5, but if you're looking for pieces of a competitive team, you can do a lot worse than a second or third line center who is on pace for right now for 52 points. Like, do you talk about the guys like Philip Deneau's, you know, been a, a guy like that. People lament the fact that he's gone. And so if you can get, you know, get back to what Taves was in that COVID shortened season where they had the playoff bubble, he was actually very good in that playoff bubble too. He's right about a point per game guy there. Uh, the memory ran out of steam towards the yeah, end, but he had like the long COVID yeah. supposedly that that was one of the factors. So, but he put, and that was such a weird thing, but he yeah. was very good against Edmonton. He was competitive against Vegas. Obviously he's not a number one, two way center anymore, but he can be a, a, an important piece of a, of a competitive team. And I hope that, you know, they work something out where it, it makes sense, but I don't blame him for wanting, after all this, it's been a long eight years, and he kind of referenced that in that interview at one point as well, where it's like, it's you know, it's been a while since I've been at my best, it's been a long time since the team's been at its best, and it's true. So if he's looking around, it's like, man, like, I don't know who, you know, theoretically, we'll, we'll talk to Sarah Valley about who would be a potential destination for him, but, like, get him to the playoffs. Like, that's a guy who... You know, he. I'm sure he wants to reignite that fire where he's battling. You know, where every face-off matters, every board battle matters. He leads the league in face-off wins. He's right? awesome at it. Yeah, yeah. and it. But it, but it's like you win it, and then it's like, well, now I have to go get it back. Right, again. right. And so I would love to see him in a situation where he's playing with guys who make him better. And uh, it's been a, it's been a while since they've been in that situ- where that he's been in that situation. So obviously, Taze and Kane have been uh, tied at the hip since day one here in Chicago. So the question was posed to Taves by Charlie Romeliotis. Uh Will Taves' decision be influenced by what Kane wants to do? I mean, I think we're, we're both in very unique situations. And, and again, I can't speak to um, his personal wants and wishes and maybe what his family would want for him. And, and you know, only he can answer that this at this point. Point and whether he's willing to do that in front of the camera or not is another thing. And but I mean, for myself, um, again, it's it's still a difficult question to answer because um, there's part of part of myself that still uh, doesn't really want to admit the situation and, and also uh, wants to continue being a Blackhawk and finish my career here. And um, at the same time, you know, there's part of me that sees the writing on the wall and sees that this. This team, this organization is trying to hit the reset button and and that uh, maybe change for everybody is not such a bad thing and, and that goes for myself as well. 
Man, you really hear that there, that there's some days where he doesn't really want to admit that he's in the situation that that he's not going to be a Black Hawk for life. And then there's other days where he's like, I get it. They're hitting the reset button. And maybe it's a change of scenery for everybody is not such a bad thing. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, it was like this Kane's uh, decision impact yours. I think the short answer, based on what he said there, is no. Right. Okay, that's kind of like reading me. And who knows? But reading between the lines, that's the vibe I got from that answer. And, yeah, it, and it is. Like, I'm sure, like, you know, that sweater, that crest, that letter on his chest, like that means something to him, and it should, and something you should be proud of. And Ken, it's like that's the old, the age old thing. Like they've already hit hit the reset button. That's clear. Right. That was clear with the uh, the Brinkett doc, that whole thing last summer. Hagel, Hagel. That's you know that's all that stuff's gone. So it's like, what is the what does this reset end up looking like? And so much of it, I think, is it, it's it's hinged and tied to Bedard. Because if they win the lottery, well, now it's like, okay, like you accelerate, you get like a legitimate top six franchise, that's your reset button, and then everybody else is built around that, and can the old guard of Taze and Kane be a part of that equation? And do the Hawks want them to be? Well, that's, that's, that's the that's, question. That's the question. And I think Patrick Kane, if we if he was clairvoyant and could uh, – you know, know that they're going to get the the number one pick and they're yeah. going to take Bedard. I think he would sign an extension here. I really yeah. do. I think he thinks that highly of Connor mm-hmm. and would love to play with him. And I think pretty much every player in the league would like to play with him. I like that you're already first name Connor. Connor. That's your yeah. like. He's yeah. one of ours. You're, he's yeah. Connor. He's, he's Connor. that nice boy. Connor is going to come in here and fix everything. And yeah, I, I think that it's also like, can you have an understanding? Be like, you know, go to Dallas. For a little bit, we're gonna get a couple guys in a picks back. We'll send you on a nice two month vacation. We'll f- we'll put you up in the uh, in the W hotel or right, whatever. Right. We'll take care of your family, whatever you need. And you just come back in June, okay? Just come back or July one, whatever the free agency things we have. You can play with Bedard. You finish your career here. We'll pretend that two months never happened. I know I will. I will pretend that that <laughs> you will never, never see ha- Patrick and Green. You know who never played for the Dallas Stars? Patrick, Patrick Sharp. Sharp. He, yep. nev- he never, he never there. Game. He just had a like a little hiatus. He came did, right back. Did Duncan ever play for the Edmonton Oilers? Not, not that I saw. Not that, not that, that I not saw. That I recall. So I, I, he just popped up for like a host's retirement ceremony. I don't know what happened to him. The <laughs> Where previous have you been? Yeah, miss you, buddy. But I don't know where he was. And that's you just block it out. And that actually, I think is a real thing. No one talks about Bobby Orr with the Blackhawks. No. He's a Bruin. Okay, and and that is how it should be here. And I like if he has to go away for a little bit or if, even if he wants to, it, it, I think if you have Connor Bedard and who knows if they're going to, you know, splash the pot in free agency or or, you know, be aggressive with, you know, taking on some well, not it, right away, right? I mean, yeah, I could not I could not see them the rebuild getting into free agency dep- next year. I'm talking Yeah. the the, the, I mean, the, the the Matthews year, mm-hmm. that totally that right. that's the year I think they might spend, and that's but if it, they have Bedard, if they have Bedard, and it's like if those guys even become available, because if you look out into the future, sure, there's a year in the future where it's like Drysaddle is a theoretical free agent and Matthews is a theoretical free agent, but those guys are also at that point going to be 29, and is it better to go after a, a guy who's 20, going to be 26 right now, and it's like, hey, like. We know we're at the front of this. You, you're going to have to. It, it's all, it's all timing, and it's like, what is your ultimate goal? It's like sometimes it's like one of the hand is worth two in the bush kind of thing. It's like let's just get a. We know a guy's going to be here for six years and be competitive. Let's get him now and worry about because 
I can't imagine that they're going to be trying to get the number one pick again next year, if they, especially if they get Bedard or Fantilli. They're just going to play. And uh, and so at that point, it's just like if you have Bedard, just start. If you win the lottery, I think you got to start thinking speeding this process uh, I, I definitely agree yeah. with that. Elliot Friedman reported that teams around the league believe it's going to take a, a second or a third round pick to land Taves. Yeah, I, I, I think that sounds, I think that's probably where I would peg it, where because yeah. the contract is so big and the only way that you can get the number down is if you get a third team involved to eat some of that. So then it's like you're spreading it around. So it would be interesting to see if there is a, a place where he can land, but I would, I would probably do uh, a second round pick for Taves without, you know, I, I don't think I, I don't think anybody around town has the, these dreams of uh, first round pick as compensation. For well, Taves. and it's funny you say that because Sportsnet, uh, Jason Bucala wrote an article that and and had several trade proposals for for Taves and had coming back to the Blackhawks a first round pick. And I thought that that was. Uh, we'll see what the market. Yeah. I mean, every every year is different, and. and I guess if you're a team, maybe you are a team like a Colorado who, you know, you lost Kadri and you need like that bonafide number two type center and and you know your window is right now and the future is, you know, we'll worry about the future tomorrow. Maybe maybe you just bite the bullet and do it, but I, I, I think that's a steep price for him. We'll find out what the trade market is like for a Patrick Kane or a Jonathan Taves. Hockey insider extraordinaire Frank Saravalli joins us next on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. On the AM at 1000. On the FM at 100.3 HD2. On your phone. Through the ESPN Chicago app. ESPN 1000 with Barstool Chief. I'm Pat Boyle. Blackhawks won five of six. They're in St. Louis tonight. Seven o'clock faceoff, 6.30 pregame show on NBC Sports Chicago. It's our pleasure to uh, welcome in hockey insider and president of hockey content for the daily faceoff, Frank Saravalli. How you doing today, Frank? I'm good, boys. How are you doing? We're doing all right. We're trying to figure out uh, what's going to happen here with uh, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves with the uh, trade deadline getting closer and closer. Do you think both of those players will eventually waive their no-movement clause and be dealt? You know, if I had to flip a coin, um, I I think you're looking at kind of exactly that. It's a coin flip, I I believe, and that's not me being Pollyannish. Honestly, um, I think one at this moment in time, Jonathan Taves, the captain, is probably – I think a little bit more ready just in the people that I talk to. And I think Patrick Kane is really, he's trying to figure it out. He's trying to come to grips with the end of what's been an incredible career in Chicago. It seems like that's on the other end of this. And he's so firmly rooted in Chicago. His family lives there now. His dad is such a big presence that, practices and morning skates and even road games that every part of his being is is rooted in in that town and uh there's so many special things that have happened but you know 
all good things at some point come to an end. Um, and so I think he's sort of grappling with the idea of, well, if I'm moving on, where is that going to be? And do I want to do it right now? Or do I want a clean start at the beginning of next season? Yeah, and, and you said that you know Taves might be more ready to move on. Are teams ready to line up for him? I think there's a market to be sure. Um, I don't think the return is probably as sexy as the Blackhawks might want it to be. Um, but I think, in in all honesty, the Blackhawks have approached this trade deadline with no real expectations in terms of what a return might be for either player in the sense that because those two players hold these full no trade clauses, they were thinking like if, you know, whatever we end up getting for these guys, it's gravy because we still have other pieces that we can move to increase our draft capital. You know, the, the obvious ones in Domi and Athanasiu and, uh, you know, maybe a Sam Lafferty I, I added uh, and really pumped up uh, Jake McCabe on my trade targets board today. I think there's been significant interest there, and we can talk about that in a second. But just wrapping up these two guys, like, there, there is a market. Like, I, I think really what teams are wondering is the player that we've seen in Jonathan Taves to this point this season, there had been sort of flashes of the old Jonathan Taves, and if you're able to get him out of Chicago and put him on a true contending team in the right spot, do you get a shot in the arm? And and is he able to turn back the clock for 12 weeks or whatever it might be? And so that's what teams are asking themselves right now. We've got Frank Saravalli on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. He's Hockey Insider and President of Hockey content for the Daily Faceoff. You can follow him at Frank underscore Suravali. Um, You know, Kane missed a few games a week or so ago, and they admitted that it, it's it's partly due to that nagging injury he's been dealing with the last couple of years. How do you think that might af- affect the trade market for Kane? I don't think it's going to have any impact. Um at least in the sense that I've gotten from talking to people close to the team. Um, they think that this is something that will take care of itself and, and shouldn't have any lingering effects that go beyond, you know, whatever time period we're in now or the next uh, couple weeks. And so by the time March 3rd rolls around, whenever the Blackhawks really begin to engage and, and have these conversations with um, Kane and Taves' agent and Paperson from CAA Sports, that they will, um, you know, it should be cleared up by then. And so teams to this point in the conversations I've had have not expressed any real concern. Do you think there's a, a chance that this happens, or, and I'm, this could be any trade with the Blackhawks, happens more quickly than waiting until March 2nd? Have you heard chatter about things heating up about a, a particular guy? I don't think there's anything front burner for the Blackhawks right now. Um, and, and just having followed up in the last few days here, the guy that's actually generated the most interest from the Blackhawks and, and might be closest to front burner would be Jake McCabe. Um, teams are looking for cost certainty. Teams are looking for term. They like what McCabe brings from a pure defending standpoint. Um, and I think where it starts to get really interesting from McCabe is he's, 
signed up for the next two seasons at $4 million. But what if the Blackhawks were able to leverage their cap space that they have and retain half on McCabe to, to pry an even better asset out of uh, the team that's interested in trading for him? And the teams that I reported today were uh, Edmonton, Los Angeles, and Toronto. He has a seven-team no-trade list that you'd be able to get much more and Jake McCabe at $2 million for the next two years all of a sudden becomes a really interesting piece. Yeah, I think I heard McCabe at Edmonton is on that no trade. Yeah, he um, hates Canada. Correct. Canada's so the, nice. The six, the six, uh, non, the six sorry, Canadian teams outside of Toronto, Toronto's the one exception, okay. mm-hmm. uh, are part of the seven, Canadi- seven, no, seven team no trade list is what I heard. So as uh, as we get closer to this deadline, we obviously know Kane and Taves have their situation. There's interest in Jake McCabe. I know Ottawa apparently kicked the tires on Seth Jones. W- would the Hawks listen to that, or are they they are they set that Seth Jones is a part of this rebuild? Uh, I don't think they have any appetite for um, for trading Seth Jones. My understanding is the message that Kyle Davidson has given to other general managers is Seth Jones is a no. All of our prospects are a no. Kane and Taves will see, and everyone else is open for business. So that's my understanding and belief. Um, I think they like Seth, and, and obviously they, they're not going to pay or retain to keep um, any salary. He's probably, you know, especially with the cap increasing, that contract is going to look a little bit better. And let's face it, like you need someone – to be part of your team moving forward, like you, you know, you've got to fill out a roster. You need to try and remain a little bit competitive as you begin to shuffle prospects into the lineup. They need support, and someone's going to have to be here on the other end of this to help shepherd the team forward. And I think they're really comfortable with that person being Seth Jones. I think last year a lot of people were surprised by the return the Hawks got for Brandon Hagel. You know the two first and two NHL players. Is there a guy on the roster now that could command uh, a return similar to that? I don't think so. Um, like I'm not even sure. I don't think Patrick Kane is in that territory. Uh, there's a lot of hoops to go through um, in terms of getting something like that back. With you know his salary one that high, ten and a half million bucks has never been traded before. There's only one eight-figure player that's ever been traded, and that's Jack Eichel. Um, so there's, it's not like there's someone with an absolute bargain of a contract. Um, I think one guy that has generated some interest, but not in a, on a deal of anywhere close to that magnitude, is Sam Lafferty. Um, I think the teams that I've called, they watch his speed. Uh, they see the contract. They see the work that he's done shorthanded, and they say, oh, that would be a nice, skill set to add to our team but even then with Sam Lafferty you you know he's not killing it in offense you're probably talking about in a in a good scenario a third round pick and and other than that like I'm not even sure that you're going to entice the Blackhawks to to move him because he's another guy you can just keep Hmm. Frank Saravalli joins us on the hockey show on ESPN 1000 he's locked in to the uh, the Blackhawks broke a lot of stories in the past couple of years uh, with the team, you know, we we uh, we sat down with Kane and Taves in the last week, and everything you said sounds kind of like 
what you took away from the conversation is they they're kind of sorting through it themselves. Some days they have themselves in another city. Others that they can't imagine leaving the place that they've only known in the National Hockey League. But I think they also want to hear some love from from the Blackhawks as well. And do do you see either Kane or Taves? Is there any possibility that either one of them or both could get some sort of an extension with this team? I think that's really where the rubber is going to meet the road in terms of the conversation that's about to unfold. Like, are the Blackhawks willing to entertain that? And the answer to that, I don't know it. But the answer to that, I think, will probably help determine their answer uh, as to what their willingness is to to go or stay. Um, And in some ways, it also might impact how flexible they are with their request to, to increase potentially the return ultimately for the team. Um, and by that, I mean, think back to the situation that unfolded with Claude Giroux and the Flyers last year. They, the Giroux camp also, he had the same agent, uh, Pat Brisson from CAA Sports, same contract terms in the sense of no trade, no move and held all the keys. And in the end, the Flyers said to him, look, we've loved your time here. It's been amazing. A thousand games on the dot. You're an impact player and uh, someone that's going to be remembered fondly by this team. But with where we're heading and where you're heading, we're not re-signing you. And this is it. it. You can stay if you'd like to. We'd be happy to have you finish out your contract and walk in the summer. Or... You can, you can decide to go somewhere else. Let us know. And he came back, and I think there were some hurt feelings there in the sense that he, he would have wanted to negotiate and stay even at a much lower number and decided in the end, I'm only going to give you one team that I'm willing to go to, and that's the Florida Panthers. And a lot of people were critical of Flyers general manager Chuck Fletcher at the time saying, well, you didn't get enough in return for Claude Giroux, and I look at that, a first-round pick, a first-round pick equivalent in Owen Tippett, and the other ancillary pick, I think it was a third-round pick that came with it, that actually, all things considered, knowing that you can't talk to anyone else, and the Florida Panthers knew it, it, it actually ended up working out okay. So that's why I think the Blackhawks have been really cautious to go into this not with any expectations as to what they're going to be able to cash in on because they don't even know if they're going to be able to. And they, they're they going to have to let, whether they like it or not, Kane and Taves drive the bus. And I think, you know, that conversation will be the most telling part of it. Are they winning too much? Should they start just offloading guys now? Because that's the ultimate goal. You want to get Bedard, and they're playing too well right now to get Bedard. So can we just – that's what I want to hear from you. They're trying to ship guys out as soon as possible. They, they need a few more quality losses, I would say. Yes. Um, and here's the funny thing. like We've got a lottery tracker, and I'm sure you guys are watching it closely, on our website that we're updating every morning. And like I'm like, holy smokes. The Hawks weren't even close to another team like 10 days ago. And now all of a sudden, you know, you watch some of these other teams. Arizona had lost nine in a row. And Columbus, like, what the heck's going on there? They're, like, all of a sudden, 
those teams are, are ahead of the Blackhawks in the lottery sweepstakes. But here's the other part of it, that if you actually are following the lottery odds, um, it was reminded to me again yesterday, even if you finish 32nd, you still have a 74% chance of not getting Connor Bedard. Yeah. So it, it is, it's a crapshoot. It's like quite literally a lottery and um, it, it puts teams in a spot where it's like, you can do all you can to get to the bottom, but you're still mo- way more than likely than not to not get the guy. Yeah, the only thing of of being the thirty second team is that you can't drop lower than third, and then you're out of the Fantilli Bedard Carlson sweepstakes. Well, here, okay, so Pat, here's what I would say to that. I talked to uh, Craig Button, uh, former NHL GM and and scout, um, twenty five thirty years in the NHL, now works at TSN on my podcast today, and we were talking today. Yes. Fantilli and Carlson, special players. But what about someone like Matvey Michkov from Russia? A really talented guy that no one has actual eyes on that works for an NHL team because no NHL scouts right now are living in Russia. There's friends that they trust and scouting services that they employ, but no one actually working for an NHL team has eyes on the ground in Russia to see this player play obviously wasn't part of the world juniors. The geopolitical sphere has changed. He's under contract for the next three years until 2026 is the first time that he'd be eligible to come over. Who knows what the world looks like by then is a general manager willing. He's probably a top three talent, but is a general manager willing to roll the dice and select a player that may not they may not even be running the organization when he comes over i is that a risk a team like the blackhawks who are thinking way longer term let's say they do fall out of the top three given that they're they're thinking so far down the line would they be willing to take a chance like that i, I, I don't can know. answer that it for you they won't really interesting they they won't do it i think montreal should be the team that roll the dice because they got two they'll Why? probably have two top 10 picks that feels like the place for Matt Faye. But, yeah, I, I, I've been told that the Hawks are not going to look at uh, Mitchkoff. Why, and why is that? Do you they, think? they don't want to wait that long. Really? I think everything the Hawks are doing is like five to six to seven years down the line. They're playing the long game, no question. Yeah. Uh, and I think the only way they're playing a shorter game is if they get Connor Bedard. Well, that makes sense. But, like, what happens if – just to play devil's advocate, and I don't, I, I don't profess to be a draft expert at all. What if Matvey Mitchkov is the next Kirill Kaprizov or the next Nikita Kucherov? Does that change your opinion or thought process? Has like, yeah, but you went through all the the hurdles of not being able to scout him and that he's going to be there for three. You know, like there's I, a lot of ifs in so that. Kaprizov had the same contract issue and that he couldn't come over forever, which is a big reason why he fell to the fifth round. And Kucherov, he also needed someone to pay off his Russian team in order to be able to get out of his deal, which is why he went in the third round. Like, this happens all the time with Russian players, and that's with guys that they have eyes on. Yeah. Yeah, that's This true. guy, everyone's saying, is, is potential, has potential to be a franchise changer, that's a surefire top five talent in one of the best drafts that we've had in years. 
Yeah, I, I, I do like the idea of Kyle Davis and just pulling up highlights on YouTube like the rest of us. Like that's <laughs> that's the extent of his uh, of his scouting. But yeah, I, I think it's I I know they have a long term vision, but I do think they have the reality of the fan base looking at it like it's already been eight years of not winning a playoff series, and, and it's like how much longer do you want people to wait? I think they're ready to start being competitive. And I don't think they want to wait for. You know, another. I don't know. I think the second you go down that path is the and and you concern yourself with fans getting impatient is the second you get yourself into trouble when you're orchestrating a rebuild and a retool where you're tearing it down basically to the studs in serious trouble. Frank Cervalli, you do great work for the Daily Faceoff. Thanks for the time today, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Thank you. We're back to wrap up the hockey show after this. The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. On Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. On the AM at 1000. On the FM at 100.3 HD2. On your phone. Through the ESPN Chicago app. Back here on The Hockey Show... Barstool Chief, I am Pat Boyle, sponsored by the Chicago Wolves. They are back in action tonight. Their road trip continues in Rockford. Then they're on to Tucson. Not a bad place to be this time of year. Next Saturday, the 28th, it's Rivalry Week. Wolves and Rockford Ice Hogs. It's also Superhero Night. Special Superhero Night ticket packages are available at ChicagoWolves.com. Thanks to our producer, Charlie Bevins, and uh, Frank Cervalli, who joined us. Uh, Okay, we've got... uh, I don't know, month and change until the March 3rd trade deadline. Don't put your coaching hat on, Chief. Put on your your tankathon tank top. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think maybe he started to do it a little bit, Richardson. We've seen Seth Jones' minutes the last two nights are down, uh, down to like the 22-minute range, so he's limiting his ice time a little bit. Maybe try Patrick Kane at center. Just try, like, whatever you can do. Like, it has to be weird. You can't, you, you got to find levers to pull without blowing up the whole thing. Like you don't want to have Kurashev and these guys regress, but you, they're playing too well. Playing Caleb Jones well. look good in net. We're making that save <laughs> yeah, in yeah, Philly. Yeah. Try him. They haven't won a game in Philly since 1996. Where, what were you this? doing in 1996? I was uh, I was probably wearing a Jofa bucket because I love Peter Forsberg and I was, you know, I was peewee hockey. 10? 10 years old. 10 years old was the last time. So that was, That's that was still Ronick Amante. Chelios time was the last time they won in Philly. So, to, to pick that spot was tough, but yeah, it, it, it's time to start losing again, boys. All right, that's it for the hockey show. Up next, it's White Sox Weekly. Hawks in St. Louis tonight. We'll see you for the pregame show at 630. You're listening to the, the, the Hockey Show on Chicago's Home for Sports. On the ESPN Chicago app, 100.3 HD2 and ESPN 1000.